was a long day scoring 70 odd off 100 balls but it was at the end of the day very enjoyable and nothing better than walking off after you know not out and winning a game for Scotland. Welcome to the Cricket Scotland podcast. I'm Jake Perry. And I'm Rosie Ryan. And we're very excited to bring you our second week of the league roundups a little later. We'll also be joined by Gary Heatley once again. We'll also chat about the last three games of Scotland T20 series in Ireland, which concluded last Thursday. But the first of Scotland's long international droughts was brought to an end in Rotterdam, where Scotland's men played two ODIs against the Netherlands. The series finished with honours even in what were really testing conditions for both sides. But we're delighted to have one of Scotland's standout performers with us today, George Munsey. Warm welcome back to the Cricket Scotland podcast. Thank you very much. Good to be here. It's, uh, it's great to see you, George, and it's fair to say that finding a spot in your calendar to speak with us was unusually easy this week, wasn't it? Yeah, we're, we're in a small lockdown, but um, you know, there's always always time for you guys to, to get in. And uh, George, I'm guessing that you were watching the Wildcats over the past week play their series against Ireland. What did you make of it? Uh, yeah, it was, it was brilliant to see they were streamed, um, and thankfully... You know, it, it gave me something to do in my isolation period. But, um, you know, they got off to a really good start. I thought the way that they came back in game one and, you know, found a way to get over the line was really encouraging. I think, you know, for anyone with such a long time away from the game, it's it's really tough to come back and do skills in cricket, especially cricket, because, you know, it's, it's a moving ball. It's not a still ball. You've got to, you know, your basics have got to be spot on. So, at the you know, at the top level, it's... Um, it's pretty challenging to come back and uh, after such a long break and, and get everything spot on. Um, but, you know, in that first game, I thought they did a really good job, especially with the ball. Um, obviously, Katie McGill had a great, great day, um, getting a few runs and taking, I think it was three wickets for 18, which is, you know, a fantastic effort. And I thought that, you know, that, that one game will put them in good stead for, you know, building towards what hopefully will be a great season for them. Um, but looking looking on for the next games, obviously it didn't go the way they wanted. But in each game, there was plenty of positives to take from it. So it's uh, there's some exciting times for the Wildcats moving forward. And you know, I just hope they get more opportunities, especially live streamed opportunities, to to go and showcase what they're all about. It'd be really good to see um, in the past the the collaboration between the men's and the women's squad as well. You know, there's that joint training camp in Lamanga and I know that you've done some work uh, on, on power hitting and, and things as well how much would you like to see that continue going through into the future definitely I think both squads can help each other I think there's plenty they can they can offer us I think it's important to keep the channels open I think there's there's a lot of things that um, go unnoticed but you know when you talk to different athletes across the across the world in different sports I think you can pick up small little nuggets that, that work well for you and resonate with you. And I think that's something that needs to happen more and more, um, integrating the squads both on a um, physical side of things with cricket and the skills, but, you know, probably more mentally just talking through how how you deal with different situations um, because I know I'm completely different to most of my teammates. So if I find someone similar to myself in the Wildcats, I might have a... We might be able to chat until the uh, sun comes down, but um, 
no, I think it's vitally important to grow everyone's uh, knowledge and skill base uh, as much as possible. Well, let's talk about the men's internationals. It was 519 days since Scotland last played international cricket. How good was it just to get out there? Um, look, it was it was really good. I think you know the guys uh, were in quite a weird position and a, a weird frame of mind. It was not too many nerves. There's more relief getting back out onto the park again after so long, you know, away from the game. Um, but the group were in really good spirits. We had, we had a good build up to it. We had some good practice matches and uh, some training camps that went really well. So that all the guys, all the batters and bowlers were raring to go and ready to go. More importantly. It's quite an unusual situation for both sides in that there was nothing riding on this by way of qualification or funding or any of the usual sorts of things that sit on associate players' shoulders as they play. So an opportunity to experiment a little bit. Um, maybe a little bit. There's always um, ranking points up for grabs. Um, every every time you put on a Scotland shirt, you want to win. There's a huge amount of pride as well. So um, although it's not our usual associate sort of fight where we're fighting for money or doing, you know, on those lines, it was um, still very much uh, an important series for us to get us, you know, up and going after a long period away. But, um, you know, and put us into good stead for the training, building up to the, the World Cricket League, as you said, which, which have a huge amount on, on those games coming up. And so onto the uh, the series itself, both of the games were, were low-scoring affairs. And as I said in the intro, the conditions were pretty testing. It looked like the sort of pitch where you could never really feel settled as a, as a batsman. Yeah, I, th- I, think, I think most people would agree. I, th- I think, you know, looking back at the, the first game, I think um, Max Adal batted nicely with his, with his 82. I, th- I think, um, you know, he showed that it was possible to go out there and get runs in, in tough conditions. Um, so... If we applied ourselves maybe a bit better on, on the first day, we probably look back and definitely think we should have got over the line there. But at the same time, it's such a long time away from the game that um, these things are you know quite tough to do. I think um, you know the bowlers did a really good job. I, think, I thought Gav Main was excellent. All trip coming in from probably quite a long stint away from you know the Scotland dressing room to come in and, and bowl the way he did was quite refreshing. Um, I thought Evo as well was outstanding. Um, and, you know, they put us into a, a really good position in, in both games. But, uh, yeah, the pitch wasn't the easiest to play on. But at the same time, I think in game one, we didn't necessarily apply ourselves in the right way to, to get the job done. Yeah, and I guess, um, like, just touching on that as well, obviously you mentioned uh, Gavin Main there, two for 16, uh, Mark Watt as well, two for 28. And then yourself and Richie Berrington had a, had a great partnership in the chase, but... I guess not to be in the end as well. No, definitely. Look, Richie played superbly. Um, he, he almost made it look quite easy, which is something that he does quite often. But um, I think, you know, looking back on that game and straight after the game, I felt like we had the opportunity there to win that game for Scotland. And um, it's something that, you know, straight afterwards, I look back and, and just think, you know, I thought, what could I have done differently to get the team over the line? And um, thankfully, that's something that, got to put right in, in game two but it was a, it was a big uh, lesson learned for us and um, had to put that right yeah and let's just like talk about that game two I guess a little bit more and and, and chasing again another wobble at the start 66 for four 106 still needed when you and Dylan Budge came together talk us through a little bit about that partnership that you both had yeah, it, was, it was quite funny again it wasn't a, an easy pitch by any any stretch it was, it was a lot better than the, the first day but um 
look, Budge and I were just chatting, um, chatting our way through it, and we just we just kept saying to each other, one of these balls has got a name on it. You know, we've it, it was doing that. It was doing enough where um, you couldn't really play off a length. So we kind of accepted that at some point we were going to get out. We just had to apply ourselves and see how long we could stay out there whilst trying to put a bit of pressure back on the bowling. Um, so we had some real good, clear game plans, and um, thankfully they just stuck stuck through all the way through, and uh, we managed to you know put the wrongs right from the, the first first game and um, see that see the lads home. And it was a terrific performance from from both of you. Different reasons in in some ways. I mean, Dylan came into that game under a a fair bit of pressure after the the first game, but he responded really really magnificently. No, definitely. Look, Budgie knows that he was under a bit of pressure after that first game, but again, um, probably credit to the environment that we're building. That um, he came out with a fresh mind and got the job done, and that's kind of where we're at and where we're trying to keep going. Is is just have the the confidence in each other to do the job and if it, if it wasn't budget someone else we have that confidence in the whole squad that we can go out and get the job done um it's just different individuals do it a different way and i thought i thought budget was superb on on that day yeah definitely and i mean 40 not out for dylan and an un, unbeaten 79 for you uh really beautifully paced knock and as shane highlighted after the match it was an innings which showed a different side to your game Oh, definitely. I was boring, boring myself. Um, I think, <laughs> you know, it was it was a very frustrating but enjoyable day. You know, you just had to go about things slightly differently. I wasn't looking for too many boundaries, looking looking for the safest options to score. And a, a lot of the time, it was very straight or just knocking off your off my hip. So it was uh, it was a long day scoring seventy odd off hundred balls, but it was at the end of the day very enjoyable and nothing better than walking off after. You know, not out and winning a game for Scotland. So next up internationally is the Cricket World Cup League Two. Although it's a bit unclear when and where those games are going to be taking place, how's the squad feeling uh, now after Holland and and looking ahead to the rest of the year, George? Yeah, I think we're in a really good space. I think um, we, you know, not only the guys that played. I think we've got a very good outer group that I keep talking about, and you know, that's that's the key thing that we just keep developing and keep building the whole squad and you know looking at the the Holland series after such a long layoff I, th- I thought the guys got into their work really quickly and, and did a really good job and um, that's really exciting for the future that just shows that you know it would be nice to have loads and loads of games and lots of training time but it just shows the high skill level that we have and you know we can just get the job done after only a few weeks of um, solid training so Looking forward into these World Cricket League two games, you know, I think we're in a really good place. We've got, you know, six or so weeks to, to get ourselves ready to find ways to prepare, which we're, we're very good at. We always have to make up ways to get better um, with the facilities we have on offer. But again, I think we're in a great spot and I think there's some really exciting prospects coming through as well. And before we finish, we must talk a little bit about the domestic scene. This is your first year with Royal High Kostorfin in, in Edinburgh, who had a great win last week, the first round of the Eastern Premier Heriots. Um, how's your time been with them in, in training? Or what are your hopes this season for the club? Yeah, I'd love to put that win down to me, but unfortunately I was on a plane, so I mean, <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't do much there. But no, look, um, I'm happy to join another club. It's, it's, the list is getting longer and longer, but... Um, I've been really impressed by uh, not only the players at the club, but just the dynamic of the club. They look to, looking to you know grow in any way they can. 
uh, really receptive to ideas and um, it's just it's a it's very different to what I'm used to but I've been enjoying it all the time I think they've got a good group of players uh, and we've got some new players as well which is really exciting that are looking to grow their game so it's uh, it's a good environment to be a part of and I'm, I've got some big things hopefully planned in the future with them which is good and a great young captain in Caleb Whiteford as well yeah his nickname's the horse um not, not, I'm not too sure why yet, but his nickname is the horse. But he's uh, very enthusiastic. Loves to run in and bowl. Um, well, tries to bowl fast. I, I think he bowls faster in his head. But um, he's a, he's a really good guy, good leader, and uh, I think he's going to do well this season for uh, for RHC and leading, leading the troops. And finally, just one last question about your ambitions. The last time we did a big interview on the podcast was back at the start of 2020, uh, just before you were due to fly out to Nepal for the Everest Premier League, which of course never got started. What are your hopes and ambitions in terms of getting back to where you were in, in franchise cricket around the world? I suppose a lot will depend on what tournaments are actually happening. Yeah, definitely. I think I think everything's up in the air at the moment. Um, I was I was cruising along nicely, getting into a few different gigs around the world before COVID and uh, I'm pretty hopeful for the future, but at the same time, I'm pretty, pretty realistic. There's not been much cricket my way recently, so I'm almost in the boat of starting again, getting every opportunity I can and trying to score as many runs as possible because that's the that's the main way to get noticed is, is runs under your belt and then people will, you know, take note. George Munsey there, speaking to Rosie and me last Friday. And now to look over another great weekend of domestic action, I'm joined by Gary Heatley. Hi, Gary. Some decent weather as well as cricket to enjoy. Yeah, absolutely. The weather started to hot up over the weekend and there was some great cricket to get our teeth into as well. Glorious as I look out of the window just now as well. Well, we have a couple of things to talk about before we get into the goings-on in the Eastern and Women's Premier Leagues. First of all, potential light at the end of the tunnel for the WDCU at last. Yeah, no, it's hopefully looking good for this coming weekend. I think if Glasgow City moves back into level two, then the leagues will be able to literally get, get underway. So I know there's been various friendlies and, and other inter-club things going on, but I'm sure sure all the players in the region just can't wait to get, get into some sort of season. So hopefully that, that comes sooner rather than later. No, oh, definitely. I mean, I'm really looking forward to getting through. Hopefully next weekend for the first game of the season, I'll be covering the Western Premier going forward. Can't wait to get going. And... Talking of a long time with no cricket, uh, as we were discussing with George, Scotland's women finished off their series with Ireland in Belfast. Lots of optimism after that great performance in the first game, but a 3-1 series defeat in the end. What did you make of it all? Yeah, so obviously we spoke about the first game last week and uh, that was a a great win to to defend 87. But uh, yeah, I think the next three days, being honest, the team would say was very disappointing. You know, Ireland really dominated those three games. I think they... They were obviously hurt with that first defeat, and um, yeah, came out came out of the traps on, on the Tuesday flag. Like Gabby Lewis hit uh, forty seven in that second game, that got them home by sixty one runs, and that kind of set the tone for the the rest of the week. Really, and you know, in, in the third game, Catherine Bryce made forty five. In the fourth game, Megan McCall made thirty. But all three of those games were kind of comfortable victories, I'd say, for Ireland. And yeah, I think in general, you know, perhaps not enough players stepped up to the mark for Scotland over the week. I mean. You can't rely on one one or two players to do to do everything for them, and I guess that's a lesson for some of the, the players to learn. I guess encouragements. There was you know, youngsters coming through like Catherine Fraser, who looked good spinner, and Megan McCall, who I know has been working hard in her batting, looks like a good good all rounder. She's only twenty, so those kind of players stepped up at times. But you know you need to do it time and time again. I guess at international level, and also 
batting terms, just learn how to play different types of innings, I guess how to work out how to rotate the strike at times. So, I mean, a lot to, lot to work on, good that they got the, the one victory, but I think the squad will, will overall have learned a lot of lessons from the week, and I'm sure head coach Mark Coles will as well. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with all of that. Um, I mean, there were highlights, definitely, um, some that you've you've mentioned. Uh, Katie McGill, another one to add uh, to that list. Sarah uh, Bryce behind the stumps, as always, of course. Um, but the fact that so few of them came with the bat, I suppose, says it all. It was the power play stats that were most revealing. For me, the one power play when Scotland won top, they won the game. But apart from that, it was, let's say, yeah, story of too many dot balls. Uh, and it was always going to be hard to to come back from that. So, yeah, disappointing. Scotland had only beaten Ireland twice before in their history, and it was obvious that the hosts were going to come back strongly in Game 2. But when there was that real chance for Scotland to make a statement, that killer instinct was was missing. So, yeah, plenty of food for thought all round, I guess, and we'll be reflecting on it all in a little more depth next week. Anyway, on to the weekend just gone. A fascinating series of games in the Eastern Premier, headlined by an historic afternoon at Victory Park. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, having been, having been promoted in 2019, Eagle have had to wait quite a while for, for their first home game in the, in the top flight. And yeah, they, they obviously got a victory of Victory Park, which was uh, great for them. And batting first at one point, they were 65 for seven against Arbroath. 28 from Zahid Rashid and 42 from skipper Charles Clark took that up to 140-41. And then with the ball, Zahid's brother Majid, who'd scored 38 runs earlier, took an amazing 6 for 28 to bowl out of growth and give them a 61-run win. Um, I also heard from Charles Clark after that win. I didn't actually think it was going to be, uh, think it be enough, but then bowling-wise, Majid Rashid was uh, unbelievable, actually. The first five overs didn't actually take a look at those news bowling well so kept them on and then I think took three wickets in, in the sixth over I think it was which, which really which really took them apart and yeah and then presume the, the fielders and other bowlers backed him up yeah so I both the other end he, he bowled well without any wickets and then uh, Barry Scott came on to a couple so he, he bowled well and I came on the other end and, yeah no bowling was tight the fielding was good and yeah it was but all around to a very good team performance, actually. Nice to well, apart from the back, apart from our top order batting, but uh, everything after that was very uh, solid. They, they are both and fielded really well, actually. So it was, it was, and it wasn't easy buying an eagle yesterday. And just in terms of for the players' confidence and things, how much, how big is this win? Do you think? Oh yeah, well, big win certainly after it gives us good confidence after what well, heavy defeats last week up at Stony Road. So no, it's given us. Yeah, as Charles said, great recovery for Meagle after that tough day against Stonywood Dice in week one. But that's two defeats in two now for our Broth. Um, 107 with the bat in their first game, 80 all out this week. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's not been the ideal start at all to them for them for the league season, but they've already defeated Stuart's Melville in the Cup and scored, I think, uh, 300 in that game and uh, you know and young bowler Daniel Salmon four wickets the weekend against Meagle they've got a good prospect I know there's other young prospects coming through so I think you know after two games although they won't be happy with how things have gone they, they won't be panicking and they've got a steady hand at the tiller in, in Mark Peachy the captain and you know four or five other very experienced players around him to, to build that team around so 
yeah, a poor start, but I don't think they'll be away panicking just yet. Yeah. And a difficult afternoon for Sonywood too. Um, winners last week, as we mentioned, but on the wrong end of a really up and down game against Forfisher. Yeah, I mean, quite amazing was Stonywood batting first that uh, Leonard Besser made 84 not out and no other batter in the team made over four runs. So uh, it was very much a one-man kind of effort for him uh, against Forf's decent bowling attack. She kind of he managed to get them up to 122. That was still quite a small, small target. I mean, Forrest did fall to 54 for six in reply. But then Jack Hogarth and Lewis James put together a good 69 run partnership to see the 2019 champions home. And they've now got two wins out of two. And that's been, you know, without Scotland players Craig Wallace and Michael Leask. So those guys come back. Forrest are looking pretty good. Yeah, they're always going to be contenders, aren't they, for Fisher? And then another side to follow up a win with a loss was Watsonians. Great knock from Andrew Chalmers as they put on 280 last week, but a different story this time around. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, again, batting first, they were skittled out for just 63 by Carlton at Myerside, Seymour Omar Ahmad and Spinner Chayank Hussain, both doing the damage with five wickets apiece. And also a key part of that first innings was... Uh, a superb catch from Aaron Pillai to get rid of what's running as Danger Man Ollie Hares. Uh, with only 63 on the board, it was going to be a, a tough, tough second half for what's running. And Carlton did lose three early wickets, but Captain Tom Simpson and Hugo Southwell took, took the visitors home for their first league win of the season. And after the game, I heard from Captain Tom. Omar and Shiv up top were really um, pretty strong. Um, that really kind of set the tone for us. And then Cheeky kind of just did his job as usual, really. Um, they're both really good. Um, and Shiv as well, the three of them. I thought they were all excellent, um, even though Shiv didn't pick up any of the wickets. And I presume they just had Watson's under pressure from kind of the first over, really? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think once we got Ollie Harris, that was sort of the big wicket, really, um, at that point. Because obviously he's, he was kind of doing some aggressive options. But once we had him out, I think then we could kind of squeeze it um, at the other end, which was, which was good. Yeah, and then obviously you lost a couple of wickets early on, but um, you obviously, you know, it was a, a small target to chase, I guess. Yeah, but yeah, essentially, I was just be patient, I think, and just wear them down. And sort of myself, Fraser, and, and Hugo sort of knew that if we just sort of bad time, we'd, we'd get, we'd sort of pick up the runs as they, as they came. So, yeah, it's just about being quite patient, I think. Yeah, and after a couple of weeks, how do you, how'd you feel the kind of squad shaping up for the, for the rest of the season? Yeah, good. I think I think we were disappointed uh, last weekend, so it's good to sort of to come back from that. Um, and I think there there is a good a good group of sort of mixture of experienced players and, and young guys. So it's just kind of balancing that. And obviously, with Abel coming back this week, it definitely strengthens us. So um, obviously, next weekend's big game against Harris as well. So hopefully, we can turn up for that. So a pretty one-sided affair then at Marseille, but a much tighter game again at Golden Acre. Yes, and batting first, Harriet's um, made 200 all out. Lloyd Brown top scored with 57. And uh, yeah, it was a you think that's a pretty good total on the board. But Stuart Melville gave them a really good go in reply. Um, ben Wilkinson was kind of holding innings together with 62 once he was out. Um, you know, we kind of struggled slightly. And Visitors just fell short by, by 12 runs. But yeah, a good, gave it a good go. And um, Harriet's were just have been pleased to get over the line for their first league win of the season. And then on to the final game uh, and another big win for Grange on the back of their youngsters. Jack Jarvis was the star last weekend and now Tom McIntosh and Charlie Pete. Yeah, I mean, they obviously must have seen what their, their pal Jack had done last week and thought, I want some of that because um, McIntosh made 
84 not out and Pete 53 not out to, to take them up to 267 for six, batting first at Barnton against RHT. And uh, then with the ball, Spinner Pete took four for nine as Chris Turfman was skittled out for just 67 in replies. So Grange like Forfarshire with strength and depth and uh, still with Dylan Budge to, to come back into their mix looking strong after two weeks. Yeah, I mean, it was really good to see that from a Scotland point of view as well with the under-19 World Cup qualifier coming up. Um, both McIntosh and Pete have been linchpins of that player group for for this is their second cycle now, isn't it? Um, and Tom beginning to make his way at, at Durham County Cricket Club as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, McIntosh and Pete have been around the Grange Senior First eleven for a few years now and both still at school, along with, with Jamie Cairns and Jack Jarvis who play in that team as well. And you can just see that exposure has really helped them to, to push on and, you know, become leaders in the under-19 group and also hopefully in the future push on for, for Scotland honours because there's no doubt they're, they're a talented crop of players. And so now we move on to the Women's Premier League. Two games played on Sunday. And Jake, you were at Grange Lone? Uh, I was, yeah, for the clash of two real contenders in Carlton and Stuart's Melville, uh, the latter who are going for their third league title in succession. Yeah, it was a game to live up to the expectations. It looked like it was going to be a pretty straightforward win for Stuart's Melville for a lot of the game. They got off to a great start, led by Catherine Holland uh, and Emma Walsingham, who who scored 50. And despite a good comeback from Carlton to restrict them to 176, good work in the field was really strangling the scoring as Carlton began their chase. Uh, they scored just 29 off their first 10. It looked like game over, to be honest. But Sam Hago so nearly changed that game. She came in at number six straight away lifted everything. She took seven off her first three balls and it just went from there. Always busy and just doing the basics really well. Uh, Manoeuvring the ball into the gaps and running hard. You know, turning twos into threes, pinching singles. And it completely changed the momentum of the match. And Karis Scott at the other end responded to that really well. But when Karis was run out, it swung back into Stuart's Melville's favour. Sam finished with 53 not out. A really gutsy, impressive performance. So, straight after the game, I grabbed a word with her, as well as Stuart's Melville skipper, Catherine Holland. Sammy, not to be today, but brilliant innings. Yeah, thank you. Um, got quite close in the end, and, and Karis and I had a good partnership throughout the middle there, but unfortunately, uh, we had a couple couple quick wickets in succession, which slowed us right down, and the bowling was good, they were, they were sharp in the field. Um, so, yeah, not to be today for us, and huge credit to them. It was really noticeable when you came in how you changed the game. You were just so much busier and just looking to score and your running was really impressive too. Yeah, thanks. When when I went in, we just chatted in the middle about, you know, just trying to rotate the strike at that time. We only needed six or seven and over and we could quite easily do that just by kind of nerdling away. And then when the bad ball came, we were hoping to kind of capitalise and obviously there was quite big boundaries today. So that's where the, the threes came in. We were quite out of puff out there, but we just thought as long as we keep doing that, we're going to give ourselves the best chance of taking it deep into the, the innings. So second game in, one win, one defeat, but shows the increased competitiveness of the uh, of the division. Yeah, absolutely. Um, today was kind of the blockbuster game for us. Um, Edinburgh South and Shumel have been very impressive the past few years and we've actively, you know, recruited this year and we've, we've been working and training really hard. So, yeah, we're aware that the league standard is increasing and we want to be up with the challenge to be contenders for the league. But obviously today it didn't quite go to plan. So, Catherine, first game, first win. How are you feeling? 
Yeah, really good. It's been such a nice day and it's been great playing with um, lots of experienced cricket players and also some up-and-coming developing ones as well. It's a really great performance from your team. Um, starting off with yourself and, and Emma opening up 91 for the first wicket. Look quite tough conditions though out there to, to bat, not the easiest way to score runs. Yeah, we're not really used to the ground and with the hill on one side it's quite hard to hit some boundaries but I think we, we just stuck in there, worked together to um, build a partnership. And in the end, a really great performance in the field and with the ball as well. Yeah, we've got quite good um, strength and depth with our bowling, I think. Um, and batting as well, we've got a lot of people who are developing their batting at the moment, working hard. Um, yeah, I think we've did quite well today. A word too for Catherine Fraser, who finished with two for 21, and Iona Lowry, who took two for 27, and for Hannah Rainey, who bowled and fielded really well, including a brilliant direct hit run out. Great to see her approaching full fitness again. And then the other game on Sunday was at Barnton, where Royal Hiker Storfen beat Watsonians Grange. Becky Glenn scored 45, Watsonians Grange, as they posted 98. But RHC just had too much at the end. Um, Megan Taylor took a pretty remarkable six for 10, including a hat trick, which ended the innings. And then Kitty Levinson and Rich Battelle went out and knocked off most of the target, Kitty finishing with 52 not out. Pretty straightforward win overall by uh, eight wickets with 10 overs to spare. So looking at the week ahead then, Gary, what's catching your eye? Yeah, I mean, the cricket just keeps on coming. And I guess uh, the Eastern Premier League this uh, this weekend coming is likely to be, I think, nine of the Scotland squad who are recently in the Netherlands back in action. So they're obviously all going to be coming back in and looking to make their mark early on, uh, especially earlier guest George Munsey, who is likely to make his RHC debut against one of his former clubs, Watsonians. So that should be a, an interesting watch for people at Barrington. And uh, the Men's Regional Series also due to get underway on Sunday. So again, those players mixed with that and presumably some of these youngsters that we've mentioned earlier will also be getting a chance there. And with the Performance Academy squad being brought into the Regional Series this year and to join with the, the Knights, the Warriors and the Highlanders, it's going to be some pretty competitive games, you'd imagine, uh, and hopefully give national coach Shane Berger some food for thought. Most definitely, yeah. And as you say, plenty then to be looking forward to. Gary, thanks again for your company. Really looking forward to catching up next week. Thanks for having me again, G. Absolute pleasure. So that's it from us all. We'll see you again next time. But until then, from Gary, Rosie and me, thanks for listening and goodbye. Goodbye.